Chapter One of Mars is My Destination. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Penn. Mars is My Destination by Frank Belknap Long. Chapter One. I had known for ten minutes that something terrible was going to happen. It was in the cards, building to a zero-count climax. The spaceport bar was filled with a fresh, washed-clean smell, as if all the winds of space had been blowing through it. There was an autumn tang in the air as well, because it was open at both ends, and out beyond was New Chicago, with its parks and tall buildings, and the big inland sea that was Lake Michigan. It was all right, if you just let your mind dwell on what was outside. Men and women with their shoulders held straight, and a new lift to the way they felt and thought, because Earth wasn't a closed circuit anymore. Kids in the parks pretending they were spacemen, bundled up in insulated jackets, having the time of their lives. A blue jay perched on a tree, the leaves turning red and yellow around it. A nurse in a starched white uniform, pushing a perambulator, her red-gold hair whipped by the wind, a dreamy look in her eyes. Nothing could spoil any part of that. It was there to stay, and I breathed in deeply a couple of times, refusing to remember that in the turbulent, round-the-clock world of the spaceports, death was an inveterate bar-hopper. Then I did remember, because I had to. You can't bury your head in the sand to shut out ugliness for long unless you're ostrich-minded and are willing to let your integrity go down the drain. I didn't know what time it was, and I didn't much care. I only knew that death had come in late in the afternoon and was hovering in a stony silence at the far end of the bar. He was there, all right, even if he had the same refractive index as the air around him, and you could see right through him the sixth sense kind of awareness that everyone experiences at times, call it a premonition if you wish, had started an alarm bell ringing in my mind. It was still ringing when I raised my eyes and knew for sure that all the furies that ever were had picked that particular time and place to hold open house. I saw it begin to happen. It began so suddenly it had the impact of a big, hard-knuckled fist crashing down on the spaceport bar, startling everyone, jolting even the solitary drinkers out of their private nightmares. Actually, the violence hadn't quite reached that stage, but it was a safe bet that it would in another ten or twelve seconds. And when it did, there was no chain or big double lock on earth that could keep it from terminating in bloodshed. The tip-off was the way it started as if a fuse had been lit that would blow the place apart. Just two voices, for an instant, raised in anger, one ringing out like a pistol shot. But I knew that something was dangerously wrong the instant I caught sight of the two men who were doing the arguing. The one whose voice had made every glass on the long bar vibrate like a tuning fork was a blonde giant six foot four at least, and built massive around the shoulders. His shirt was open at the throat, and his chest was sweat-sheened, 
and he had the kind of outsized ruggedness that made you feel it would have taken a heavy rock-crushing machine a full half-hour to flatten him out. The other was of average height, and only looked small by contrast. He was more than holding his own, however, standing up to the Viking character defiantly. His weather-beaten face was as tight as a drum, and his hair was standing straight up, as though a charge of high-voltage electricity had passed right through him. He just happened to have unusually bristly hair, I guess, but it gave him a very weird look indeed. I don't know why someone picked that critical moment to shout a warning, because everyone could see it was the kind of argument that couldn't be stopped by anything short of strong-armed intervention. Advice at that point could be just as dangerous as pouring kerosene on the fuse to make it burn faster. But someone did yell out, at the top of his lungs, Pipe down, you two! What do you think this is, a debating society? It could have turned into that, all right. The deadliest kind of debating society, with the stone contingent taking sides for no sane reason. It could have started out as a free-for-all, and ended with five or six of the heaviest drinkers lying prone with bashed-in skulls. The barkeep made a makeshift megaphone of his two hands, and added to the confusion by shouting, Get back in line, or I'll have you run right out of here. I'll show you just how tough I can get. Every time something like this happens, I get blamed for it. I'm goddamn sick of being in the middle. That's telling them, John. Need any help? No, stay where you are. I can handle it. I didn't think he could. Not even if he was split down the middle into two men twice his size. I didn't think anyone could, because by this time, I'd had a chance to take a long, steady camera-eye look at the expression on the Viking character's face. I'd seen that expression before, and I knew what it meant. The Viking character was having a virulent sour grapes reaction to something average size had said. It had really taken hold, like a smallpox vaccination that's much too strong, and his inner torment had become just agonizing enough to send him into a towering rage. Average size had probably been boasting, telling everyone how lucky he was to be on the passenger list of the next Mars-bound rocket and in a crowded spaceport bar where Martian Colonization Board clearances are at a terrific premium, you don't indulge in that kind of talk. Not unless you have a suicide complex and are dead set on leaving the Earth without traveling out into space at all. Now things were coming to a head so fast there was no time to cheat death of his cue. He was starting to come right into the open, scythe swinging, punctual to the dot. I was sure of it the instant I saw the gun gleaming in the Viking character's hand and the smaller man recoiling from him, his eyes fastened on the weapon in stark terror. Oh, you fool, I thought. Why did you provoke him? You should have expected this. You should have known. What good is a Mars clearance if you end up with a bullet in your spine? For some strange reason, the Viking character seemed in no hurry to blast. He seemed to be savoring the look of terror in average size's eyes, letting his fury diminish by just a little, 
as if by allowing a tenth of it to escape through a steam spigot safety valve he could make more sure of his aim it made me wonder if i couldn't still get there in time the instant i realized there was still a chance i knew i'd have to try i was in good physical trim and no man is an island when the sands are running out i didn't want to die but neither did average size and there are obligations you can't sidestep if you want to go on living with yourself i moved out from where i was standing and headed straight for the viking character keeping parallel with the long bar i can't recall ever having moved more rapidly and i was well past the barkeep he was blinking and standing motionless as white as a sheet now when the viking character's voice rang out for the second time you think you're better than the rest of us don't you sure you do why deny it who are you who is anybody to come in here and strut and put on airs i'm going to let you have it right now the blast came then sudden deafening they were standing so close to each other i thought for a minute the gun had misfired for average size didn't stiffen or sag or change his position in any way and his face was hidden by smoke from the blast i should have known better for it was a big gun with a heavy charge and when a man is half blown apart his body can become galvanized for an instant just as if he hasn't been hit at all sometimes he'll be lifted up and hurled back twenty feet and sometimes he'll just stand rigid with the life going out of him in a rush an instant before his knees give way and there's a terrible welling redness to make you realize how mistaken you were about the shot going wild the smoke thinned out fast enough eddying away from him in little spirals but one quick look at him sinking down passing into eternity with his head lolling was all i had time for pandemonium was breaking loose all around me and my only thought was to make a mad dog killer pay for what he had done before someone got between us mad dog killers enraged me beyond all reason given enough provocation almost any man can go berserk and commit murder but the viking character had led a provocation that merited no more than a rebuke rip his self-control to shreds the naked brutality of it sickened me something primitive and very dangerous or perhaps it was something supercivilized made me out to beat him into insensibility before he could kill again i felt like a man confronting a poisonous snake who knows he must stamp on it or blast off its head before it can sink its fangs in his flesh i was not alone in feeling that way all around me there was an angry muttering a cursing and a shouting if i needed support sturdy backing i had it but right at that moment i didn't need it an angry giant had come to life inside of me and we exchanged nods and understood each other there was a crash behind me but i ignored it what was harder to ignore was the barkeep straddling the bar and coming down flat-footed in the wake of two reeling drunks who were lunging for the killer with a crazy wild look in their eyes i didn't want them to get in ahead of me he hadn't moved at all and had a frightened look on his face as if the blast had jolted some sanity back into him it made him realize that you can't gun a man down in a crowded bar 
without adjusting a noose to your own throat and giving fifty men a chance to draw it tight. The gun he had killed with might still have saved him if he'd swung about and started shooting up the bar. But I didn't give him a chance to recover. I plowed into him, wrenched the gun from him, and sent him reeling back against the bar with a solidly delivered blow to the jaw, luckily aimed just right. Then they were on him, five or six of them, and I couldn't see him for a moment. I held the gun tightly and looked at it. It was still warm, and just the feel of it sent a shiver up my spine. A gun that had just been wrenched from the hand of a killer is unlike any other weapon. There's blood on it, even if no laboratory test can bring it out. I didn't know that I'd lost anything until I looked down and saw my wallet lying on the floor at my feet. The energy I had put into the blow had not only sent a stab of pain up my wrist to my elbow, it had jarred something loose from my inner breast pocket that had a danger potential right at that moment that could have turned the tide of rage that was sweeping the bar away from the killer and straight in my direction. Some of it, anyway, splitting it down the middle, causing the drunks who were divided in their minds about what he had done to change sides abruptly. In my wallet was a perforated card, all stippled with tiny dots down one side, and it said that I was on the passenger list of the next Mars-bound rocket, and that the Martian Colonization Board clearance was of a peculiar kind, very special. The wallet had fallen open, and the card was in plain view for anyone to read. It could be recognized by its color alone, a light shade of blue, and if anyone who felt the way the killer had done about average size had caught sight of it and made a grab for the wallet, I was bending to pick it up when a voice whispered close to my ear, Don't let anyone see that card. If you want to stay in one piece, you'd better get out of here before they start asking questions. They won't wait for the spaceport police to get here. Too many of them will be in trouble if they don't find out fast where everyone stands. They'll know how to go about it. I couldn't believe it for a minute, because I hadn't seen her come in. I noticed two women at the bar, but not this one. It would have been impossible for me to have failed to notice so slim a waist or hips so enchantingly rounded, or the honey-blonde hair piled high, or the wide, dark-lashed eyes that were staring at me out of a face that would have made a good many men with their lives at stake forget the meaning of danger. Even if she'd been wedged in tightly between two male escorts at the bar, I'd have noticed a part of all that. Just one glimpse of the back of her head, with the indefinable special quality that makes beauty like that perceptible at a glance, so that you know what the whole woman will look like when she turns, would have made so deep an impression on me that not even the violence I'd participated in a moment afterwards could have blotted it from my mind. It left me speechless for an instant. I just snatched up the wallet, put it safely back in my pocket, and returned her stare in complete silence. Better keep the gun, she advised. Your fingerprints are all over it now. You could clear yourself all right, considering who you are, but it would be much simpler just to toss it in Lake Michigan, especially if they decide to let him go and lie about who did the killing. I could have wiped the gun clean and tossed it on the floor, 
but I knew what was in her mind. You just don't leave a murder weapon lying around in plain view when you picked it up right after a killing. It can lead to all kinds of complications. I nodded and stood up. Thanks for the advice, I said, finding my voice at last. There are enough eyewitnesses here to convict him without this, if just a few of them have a conscience. Don't count on it, she said. They're angry enough to kill him right now, because they don't like to see anyone gunned down like that. But, when they've had time to think it over... She was right, of course. There were six or seven men struggling with the killer now. But there were others who weren't. A fight had started near the middle of the bar, and someone was shouting, The ugly son deserved what he got. Every man who gets a Mars clearance now has to play along with the colonization board. He has to turn informer and help them set a trap for anyone who gets in their way. Just depriving us of our rights doesn't satisfy them. They're scheming to get the whole Mars colony for themselves. It was the big lie. The charge that had done more damage to the Mars colony than the shortages of food and desperately needed construction materials and almost as much damage as the two major power conflicts, and the transportation difficulties that never seemed to get solved. I wanted to go right up to him and grab hold of him and hit him as hard as I'd hit the Viking character, because he was a killer too, a killer of the dream. But the blonde, who had seemed to know all the answers, and what was wise and sane and sensible, was tugging at my arm, and I couldn't ignore the urgency in her voice. Time's running out on you, Mr. Important Man. If they find out just who you are, you won't have a chance of getting out of here alive. Every one of them will be clamoring for your blood. The pity of it, the terrible pity, is that most of them hate violence as much as you do. They hate what that wild beast just did. But the big lie has made them hate the colonization board even more. Do we go? It came as a surprise that she was leaving with me, and that was downright idiotic in a way. With the place in an uproar, a killer still trying to break loose, and a fight underway, it would have been madness for her to stay. And the two other women had vanished without stopping to talk to anyone. But in moments of stress, you can overlook the obvious and wonder about it afterward. We had to move fast and we ran into trouble when two struggling drunks got in our way. I shouldered one aside and rammed an elbow into the stomach of the other, and we reached the street without being stopped by anyone who didn't want us to leave. The card was back in my pocket, and not a single one of them had X-ray eyes. In another minute or two, someone would have probably remembered that I'd disarmed the Viking character, and could have had a reason for the fast, violent way I'd gone about it. Then I'd have been in for the kind of questioning the blonde had mentioned. A kangaroo court interrogation before the spaceport police could get there. And if my answers had failed to satisfy them, they would have wasted no time in turning my pockets inside out. I'd been spared all that, thanks to that same blonde. And I didn't even know her name. End of chapter 1